it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, depending on uh, when you're listening to this. Thanks very much for doing so. This is episode four of the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard, and the head coach of the Prospects, Jordan Blundell, is with me as usual. On uh, today's show, we're going to speak to Prospects right fielder Travis Hunt and uh, get his story of how he ended up in Edmonton and Uh, some different things like that. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, We will go around the horn. We will have history class, baseball memories, take me out to the ball game, trivia, then versus now, an all-time team. All of that we will get through in the next little while. And this is how you can get in touch with us. Uh, We're uh, on email, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's at prospectspod. You can get Jordan at jordanblundell4. I'm at duckmillard. Of course, there's EDM Prospects to uh, follow the team. And we do have a Facebook page, Prospects Baseball Show, uh, or Facebook page, as well as our website, prospectsbaseballshow.ca. And for all the Prospects information, it's prospectsbaseballclub.com, where you can get tickets. And uh, Jordan, you guys um, are uh, have a lot of cool promotions uh, coming up that we are going to get into. But first of all, let's get uh, the latest news in baseball. God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. All right, so we go around the horn with you guys to start, and uh, the week didn't start that great. You had three losses, uh, one uh, to Okotoks, twice to Metasnat, but then you rebound with four straight wins over Brooks and Okotoks. And um, just like baseball is a nine-inning game or more, uh, the week is seven days long, and it can always get better, I guess. Yeah, it's funny. Our, our week was 10 days long. We had the 10 and 10 stretch, uh, the gauntlet at the start of the schedule with that smoke out game, uh, get, taking one of our days, uh, days off away. Um, I love it. I love going to the yard. I love the guys on the team. It's such a fun atmosphere. Um, yeah, the start of the week, you know, uh, we drop a couple games there. Um, we, we had a little bit of a battle against Okotoks. Uh, I think it was a 7-3 final. Um, you know, prob- probably wasn't that close. Like, they, they pretty much had control of the game. We fought and battled, and, and you know, w- we could have done a little bit more, and, and it just didn't go our way. And, um, you know, you, you don't like losing. Then we come back home, and, and we get we get spanked pretty good by Med Hat. Uh, you know, really just didn't have a very good day at the yard. Um, you know, their starting pitcher was really good and set the tone and, and kind of kept us at bay. It's funny how it works, too. Like, both those the, those first two losses, the Okotoks and then the Med Hat loss, you know, we, we hit some balls at some guys. You know, I'm not going to say we were tearing the cover off the ball, but um, we did hit some balls that, you know, if they fall, maybe we can create some momentum in an offensive inning. It didn't happen for us. And, you know, so we go, we dropped two, and then uh, the tide started turning against Med Hat in, the, in that, the second game versus them and the third loss that we had in a row. 
Uh, three you one. You start seeing the guys come out of it a bit. Well, it, it was funny. Like we, we had a really good outing on the mound, which you know, like like we talk about all the time. That every day is a new day with a with the, when the starting pitchers change. Um, we had a really good outing on the mound, um, and and honestly, Dino, we must have been. <laughs> We must have been 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. We lost 3-1. We had multiple chances. Um, you know, and then the other days, the two losses, we hit it's some like ball It's like out-shooting a team 40-15 to 15 <laughs> yeah. and losing 3-1, yeah, right? The goalie kept us yeah, at bay. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the first two games, we, we hit some balls at some guys with nobody on. That You know, and they got caught. It didn't really help us. And then we had lots of opportunities. We lost 3-1. Um, credit to their starting pitcher and their bullpen. They were able to, to keep us at bay, although we were pressing uh, – not mentally pressing, but we were pressing them to score, and we just couldn't get it done. And um, yeah, tough one to tough one to take, but but tons of positives with those losses. That you know it was there, it's fine. And um, yeah, and then we get into uh, get into Brooks, um, get down there, and, and uh, you know the offense started rolling. Uh, we'll put some numbers on them. Yeah, and so you finished the week with four straight wins over Brooks and, and Okotoks, which is a team that uh, that was their first loss, I think, right? Yeah. Was what you handed to them, maybe? Um, and it was the you know, uh, not to say that uh, early in the season you, you start looking at too many trends, but uh, you don't want to lose too many games to the same team because you know you just who knows what can happen. So getting that at least that one win against them, who they are the the number one team right now is is probably a pretty important thing in the psyche of your team. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that is important. Uh, you know, they're they're a program that that we respect a ton, and uh, we know they're good, and, and so we know it's going to be a good game when we play them. And um, well, you know, not that we don't respect our other opponents, but we got that Edmonton Calgary, you know, Okotoks suburb, the Edmonton Calgary rivalry a little bit with our fans and and the area and the geography of the of the league. So they're they're kind of our team for that. Um, and, and they had got us a couple times, right? So, um, you know, you, you bear down there. There was no additional pressure on the guys. It's about playing the game the right way. Um, we're really confident with the group that we have and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come on the short end of the stick like we did in Med Hat 3-1 and we had chances and just didn't happen. And then, you know, we'll play a couple close games and, um, it, it'll work out in our favor. And that's what happened that the first win against Okotoks was, uh, you know, 10-1. Big one, yeah. It was closer than that. It was a 4 nothing game that anything could have happened at any point. And, and, you know, Hunter Boyd was on the bump for us and, and um, just kept them at bay. You know, he... He, he mixed, throws a lot of strikes. Yeah, eh? just pounded the zone, <laughs> mixed his pitches, located, worked quick, um, picked a guy off, uh, you know, just and he's just, so calm. Like he just, just seems to be like really calm, dude. At least when when I was talking to him, anyway. Yeah, laid back. That was an off day, but yeah, laid back. Dino and and goes about his business and a really good uh, role model for some of the younger pitchers we have on the on the ball club is like that. That's how you go about your business, right there. Um, so awesome job by Hunter, and then and then the the Sunday game. You know, the, the rubber match of the two games set, you know, obviously their team's not happy of what, with, with what happened. They've got a lot of pride in that clubhouse. So um, we had another great outing on the mound. Matt Erickson from uh, Boulder, Colorado. Um, again, same thing, you know, work quick, you know, within the, 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 the time frame of your start. You know, he wasn't rushing. He was able to make adjustments when he, you know, maybe lost some command. And, and that'll happen throughout your start. Like Hunter, you know, you miss a pitch and then get back locked in and, Matt was able to do the same thing. He was able to adjust when things didn't go his way and then get back in the zone. 
you know, had a couple pitches for strikes, which is how you do this at this level is, you know, you gotta, you gotta show them something else and you gotta make them believe that two or three pitches are going to be called strikes. And then now they have to account for it and they can't eliminate pitches on you. Um, so Maddie did a great job. And then the bullpen came in and, and Jesse Ponawazic from Spruce Grove, Alberta, local boy came in and, um, I think that's the third time he's come in and, and been very effective, uh, pounded the zone again, a couple pitches for strikes and, and Jesse went to work and shut her down for us. And, and, you know, we were able to, to take two from Okotoks this weekend, which is, which is huge. I mean, every time we win a game, it feels good. And, and, uh, really, uh, regardless of who our opponent is, that's the feeling we're trying to have in the clubhouse. There was a couple of days there where, you know, the clubhouse wasn't as fun after the game and. Uh, that, that's why you work hard to put yourself in a position to, to feel like that after the game and feel that satisfaction of getting the win. And, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, Dino, is, you know, you learn a lot when you lose and, and sometimes winning masks some things and, and you're all excited and happy. Um, we were still able to have some, some good productive conversation and dialogue after the wins, you know, some things that we still want to get better at. Uh, and, and I think that's the way the guys want to approach this summer. That's definitely how the coaching staff sees it is, we're trying to grow. There's no plateau. We're trying to improve a little bit every day and and see where that takes us. Well, it's interesting. After uh, 10 and 10, as you put it, uh, you have a relatively light week this week because you yeah. have two days off, and yeah. that's, a, that's a rarity in what baseball. What will we do with all this time? <laughs> I know. Well, with all this rain, your, uh, your, your right field, as we're going to talk to your right field, is going to yeah. start looking a lot better, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, but you go to Regina for a three-game set, so the first time you travel out of province, uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, uh, don't uh, please tell your players not to hold Saskatchewan against us Canadians, uh, please. Like I'm a Manitoban, I'm allowed to make fun of Saskatchewan because they're you. basically the same province. But yeah. don't tell them not to uh, hold Saskatchewan against us, as I just. And then you're home on a weekend set for Fort Mac. Then you go on a big road trip and. I don't know, maybe it's cliche in sports, but they always say that first big road trip is, uh, you know, a, a great thing for a new baseball team, especially like a baseball team like the you have, where not a lot of the guys know each other other than the, the ones that are lucky enough to come with the college teammates. So what do you think that uh, first road trip is going to be like for you guys? The, the, not the one to Regina, but that's a little bit, but then yeah. the big one. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it'll be fun. You know, like like we've got a bunch of baseball players that are you know here for the right reasons and and enjoy the pregame and and hanging out with the guys and talking shop and and you know sharing ideas and approaches and and like you said, do you know that when you get on the road, that's really all you got. You know, there there's there are a ton of distractions and you're with each other. You're in the hotel room. You you get to the pregame. You're hanging out in the clubhouse together and and you're really focused on doing a job tonight. And and that'll be fun to see. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I'm excited for the guys to get a chance to go to Regina and see that city, uh, see their ballpark. They've got a great program there. Mm, they fans. do, actually, yeah. Um, it'll be cool. Uh, I think it'll be cool for the guys to experience that, like you said, get into Saskatchewan. And, um, you know, the, the 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 long trip we have is kind of weird. You know, we, we go up to Fort Mac, we got two there, and then we play Okotoke. So we're going to come home on the way back. Okay, good. We're going to split that, let them sleep in their own beds. I thought maybe people were just going to like uh, hold out clean clothes on the highway and you'd pick <laughs> it up on the way by or something yeah, exactly. like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll have enough time to do laundry, but at least <laughs> they'll get a chance to sleep in their own bed. And then we'll get down to Okotoks and then go into Med Hat. Um, you know, Fort Mac's got a great ballpark, a great program up there. It'll be cool for our guys to see that. Uh, and then, you know, Med Hat, uh, they've got a little special thing going on down there. They've got a little stadium and, and the fans are there and, and, uh, 
you know, Fort Mac wasn't around when I played in the league, but Med Hat was. And uh, it's always fun. It's always tough to go down into Med Hat. It's home field advantage down there. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, I, I'm excited for the guys to have this experience. That's part of what this is. And, and, you know, playing good baseball is number one in the priority list. But to experience some of the other markets and, and get a lay of Alberta and Saskatchewan and get a feel for Western Canada, it's, it's really cool. I think the Prospects Baseball Show might have to make a road trip with you guys oh, at uh, some point. I we'll love get it. some behind-the-scenes video and stuff. Uh, when you eventually get back and we roll into July, of course, you have Canada Day, which is a massive one at the ballpark, fireworks, and so much more that we'll get into as we go. But the All-Star Game, uh, it's it's back in this, well, I guess it's new because the, the league has a new name, but in the WNBL, there was an All-Star Game years ago. Yeah, years ago. So it's back or it's new, whatever you want to call it, but it's in Edmonton at REMAX Field on July 8th. Matt Stairs is going to be in town for that. So that's, you know, there's a home run derby, and I don't know what else you guys have planned, but... Is that a carrot that uh, your guys are uh, reaching for right now? Do you dangle that? Do you talk about that? Uh, obviously, as hosts, you want to make it as special as possible, but you don't want to put too much pressure on these guys to try to make an all-star game. You're here to develop players and win games, not necessarily put guys in the all-star game, but you know what's that like for an organization and for a coach? You have to balance both. Yeah, great question, Dino. Uh, yeah, I'm on both sides of that with the business uh, in, in my off-season role with the organization and then as a coach, you know, with the players. Honestly, it hasn't come up. It's not something that we've talked to the players about. I'm not sure if they're aware of it. Um, it not an oversight. It's just kind of down the schedule. We've got other things to... They're focused, man. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've got other fish to fry before we get to that point. You know, obviously, we'll have a couple guys in that game. Um, we're having, we, we've got a couple guys that are having really good starts to the year. Do you know, like, do you guys make the choices? Um, uh, what, how, how, what's the, tell us a little bit of the format, what you can. Yeah, the, uh, the league will be involved in the selection. Um, you know, not everybody will have seen everyone. Uh, and so that's part of what this is. It, it, it's not necessarily like the NHL or, or MLB where you got TV and everything and you can see players and, and it's unfair for the, unfortunately for our fans to vote because, We've got a big fan base and, and, you know, it'll be our whole team, hopefully. You know, the fans would vote us all in, right? So there was a lot of dialogue of how best to do this. And we, we want to include the fans. How do we do it properly? Um, some of the markets have a bigger fan base than others, and that would make it unfair for some players. And that's things. when stuffing the ballot box. Like, yeah, exactly. That's how, uh, you know, certain guys get into all-star games, right? So it's interesting. Like, you think it's just, hey, we'll have an all-star game, and the, but there's so many other conversations attached to how do we do this the right way and, and try and do this properly. And, you know, at the end of the day, do you know, there, there's always a, a player or two or three that should be there that weren't there. That's and, what makes debating sports the yeah. greatest is that uh, everybody has an opinion about a different player and, and a, you know, where they should be in their career or at the all-star game. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, you know, we're really happy with the starts of a couple of our guys, you know, they'll obviously have some consideration. Uh, the coaching staffs on the league will submit some names. The league will end up uh, taking this on as a, as a league project, and, and the, the teams will be selected as such from from that information. Uh, you know, obviously, stats and, and coaches' opinions and, and votes will will come into play, and uh, just kind of go from there. All right, uh, we don't have to discuss the Jays a whole lot. They're nose diving right now. Three wins in their last seventeen and four straight losses. So we won't spend a lot of time on that because there was a really serious baseball story developed last night. David Ortiz, big pappy, shot in the back. In the Dominican Republic, uh, he underwent surgery. 
Uh, they did uh, some surgery on, uh, he was bleeding from the liver and they, you know, ob- they have apparently corrected that. And one suspect is in custody. One is in at large. Um, apparently David Ortiz is out of danger, but man, that was scary. Like this guy, is, you know, he, you think he's a legend in Boston? Imagine what he's like in the Dominican. So for, for this to happen is, you know, uh, listen, I... I don't. I don't live in the Dominican Republic. I visited there once, and I, you know, I don't know what the the crime scene is like. But this is really scary when you hear this. A guy walks up to him and shoots him in the back. That's a that's a legend, um, and and the smile from ear to ear, uh, a people person, someone that's given you know a lot of time to uh, the game, you know, in the U.S. and in the Dominican Republic. Um, really sad. It looks like they, yeah, like you said, they've got a, a suspect in custody. There's some video online, apparently, uh, you know, some, some surveillance type video mm-hmm. that you can find. Because they originally thought it was a robbery, but apparently this guy walked up point blank. Like, and, what, uh, what is going on? Like, why? You know, it, it's sad. It's sad that that's, that's the state of, of things sometimes. And uh, glad to hear that uh, he's stable. You know, there's he was in critical there. He's in stable. It, it's, it's serious. This is serious. Yeah, well, it is. And listen, um, David Ortiz is a legend in the Dominican, but also in Boston. And the term Boston strong was, was after the marathon bombing or the Boston marathon bombings. He came out and gave that, you know, amazing speech from the heart. So He's Boston strong for David Ortiz to get through this right now. Yeah, so, uh, sure. hopefully, uh, things develop, uh, um, you know, even after this podcast is posted and, and we get the, uh, the big details. So, uh, our thoughts to, uh, everybody in big poppy's corner. Now let's do a little history class. Uh, this is where we're going to look back on some dates in uh, baseball history. And uh, I pulled this one out first. Uh, for us, 2003, Justin Morneau makes his MLB debut with the Twins, hits cleanup as DH, and went two for four. Imagine your first major league game and you're like the cleanup hitter, which I think is there's a lot of pressure on that position. You know, leadoff obviously is very important to get on base. Um, but does the does the meat of the order, the cleanup, the three four, does it change after the first inning as far as importance? Is it that first inning that it's the, the most important? Because then the the batting order is all jumbled, or would it be a lot of pressure to to play to hit a fourth in your first major league game? Yeah, the great thing with the game of baseball is, is you know, like the the lineup is is designed for a reason. Um, that three, four hole is coming up, coming back up with the game on the line in the eighth or ninth inning. You hope if it all plays out, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, that's your RBI guy and, and Morneau was a guy that they had groomed, you know, and, and rightfully so that's what he was his whole life, you know, and, and, and lineup chemistry is important. So, you know, it's something that they had developed him throughout the minor leagues, you know, hitting in the three, four hole, um, being a run producer, driving guys in and. Um, at that point, they felt that he was ready to do it at the big league level, and you know, obviously, he was. He came up and got her done. It's an important position. It'd be like, uh, hey, rookie, you're starting on McDavid's line uh, <laughs> in your first NHL game, almost. Uh, 1944. So we go back in time for this one. Joe Nuxall, at 15, became the youngest Major League Baseball player to ever suit up. Uh, he was with the Reds. He pitched two thirds of an inning. There was a player shortage because of World War II. Yeah. So they were like, where are we going to get, guys? We need this guy. He was 15 years old. He ended up back with the Reds in 1952 and then retired and became their broadcaster from 67 till 2004. 
did a part-time until 2007 when he passed away. So, you know, Joe was a, a you know, a groundbreaker as far as age and then had a pretty big impact with uh, some pretty good Reds teams in that time. That's a great story. That's such a baseball story. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And tomorrow, um, on tomorrow's date in 1990, the uh, Ryan Express was doing it again, pitched his sixth no-hitter extending his major league career. He ended up with seven. I think he pitched one more after that. Yep. I'm pretty sure. The Rangers beat the Oakland A's 5-0. He was the first to pitch no-hitters for three different teams. And also, he was 43. Just another day at the office for the Nolan Express, eh? Just pumps Ched. Like, was there... I think Randy Johnson would have been really intimidating to face, but... I think Nolan Ryan might have been, especially when he was 43 after what he did to Robin Ventura, <laughs> I think he would have been really intimidating to face. Yeah, no, it, there's been some pitchers over the course of the game that, I mean, do you want to face them, honestly? Like Nolan, Pedro coming up and in and, and not really caring who you are, um, and Randy Johnson being that big. Like when, when you get down the mound at 60 foot, 6 inches from the plate, right. and he's you know basically 7 feet you know, his stride length is double all of us that are walking around in, in the city right now. The ball is being released, you know, 50 feet from it, not 60. He's so far down the mound, and it's coming dang near 100 miles an hour, and you don't know where it's going. Uh, you can you can, you can can definitely understand why John Kruk uh, had the, the helmet flip in the All-Star game and Larry Walker, you know, there's a lot of respect there from guys. They know how, da- how dangerous and, and nasty that pitcher is. Tell us your best baseball story and you could be watching a prospects game from a suite and taking batting practice before the game. All right, so when we're talking baseball memories, uh, this is an opportunity for you and uh, one other to, as uh, we just heard, watch a game from the suite and the cool thing, uh, take batting practice before the game, which I, I think for a lot of people will be cool. As I mentioned, I took BP off Tommy John when he was uh, here in Edmonton, and it was it, it was cool to be hitting off Tommy John. Yeah, really. Uh, but just to be taking batting practice, I did not do very well. So, uh, so you can watch the game from a suite hosted by me, and uh, one person can take batting practice. All you have to do is uh, send us an email with your Best baseball memory or a baseball memory. You can enter every show. Prospects baseball show at gmail.com. That's prospects baseball show at uh, gmail.com. And um, Jordan, do you have a uh, an, a memory right now? I, I actually want to, uh, before, before you get to that, um, here's a couple. This is uh, from Justin. It says, favorite baseball memory would have been when the Trappers were around, I would take the bus from Mill Woods by myself as an 11 to 12-year-old so I could go watch. One game, I caught seven foul balls. Wow. Back then, if you got a foul ball, you could exchange it for a ticket to the next game, so that's how I would attend Season so tickets. many games. Yeah, <laughs> The money I was given for a ticket would be used towards food and other snacks. Uh, the only MLB game I've ever attended was Dodger Stadium. Kershaw versus Mad Bum. Not a big deal. I even remember my first game at the old stadium before it got renovated and became Telus Field. Uh, go Cardinals. That's from a Cardinals fan. Uh, he gives it to me uh, all the time about uh, the uh, the Dar- Dodgers and uh, the Cardinals. 
Um, this is, says, uh, hey, Dean and Jordan, best baseball memory, staying up late watching the 88 Dodger World Series game one after Gibby hit the home run, running around the house. Dad let me stay up way past my bedtime. Uh, worst baseball memory, finding out my favorite Dodger, Pedro Guerrero, getting traded when I was five. <laughs> I was crushed and uh, cried all day. Uh, that story that he talks about, we'll, I'll get to at some okay. point on the show. That's how I became a Dodger uh, fan. So um, it was pretty cool. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, this is a baseball memory. It says, my my uh, son Tanner Roundy uh, lost his best friend in the October 1st shooting in Las Vegas. After exchanging tears, I told him I would fly him home as soon as I could. My wife had already contacted his coach about 4.30 a.m. Vegas time. When we spoke to Tanner later in the morning, his teammates had picked him up and encouraged him to play their game that night. So less than 24 hours after the shooting, Tanner's very first at bat and on the first pitch hits his first college home run. Me and his mom were able to stream and watch the game. The tears could not be held back. So much joy and sadness at the same time. Tanner told me after the game, he did not remember hitting the ball and only remembers rounding first and the rest of the way to home plate. Uh, Q was surely with him. I love the game of baseball, and this moment will always be is the absolute best moment of mine and my wife's forever. I thank you for your show and all you do. That's an amazing story. That's um, you know, that's like when Brett Favre had that Monday night football game after his dad died, right? Like these stories of, um, I don't know, I don't even know d- divine intervention, maybe, but uh, that's something, isn't it? Yeah, it, uh, Tanner's a special person. Um, it, I'm glad that story came up. Uh, t- Tanner, like I said, he's a special person. I saw the video of that last year. Tanner plays at my alma mater, University of Jamestown. So um, I, I was following what happened. Uh, you know, I obviously know the head coach there and, and was aware of what had happened and then was aware of Tanner doing what he did. Um, it brought a tear to my eyes in Edmonton. Um, seeing the video of that and, and, uh, I sent a message down and, and just, you know, thinking about them and, and this is, this is, you know, two years ago. Um, yeah, really sad situation for Tanner to go through and, and he's such a classy person, uh, for him to step up for his teammates and play that game and, and to have something special like that happen. Uh, it speaks to the level of his character. Uh, he, he's somebody that cares about people outside of, you know, playing the game and trying to do his best. Uh, he's just a good person. Uh, I couldn't be happier that that was what had happened for him in memory uh, of his best friend. And, you know, well, what a sad story. And, and, you know, obviously there was some, some help there uh, from, from the man above. Uh, Gord says his favorite memory is still Al Coates introducing Ron Kittle to our team in 1982 that he hit a homer and waved to us. We still talk about it whenever we are around a diamond. Ron Kittle, uh, Edmonton legend, legend for his uh, year with the, with the Trappers, and then he went on to a, a, a big league career with the the White Sox. So you can send your baseball memory, uh, it could be any kind of memory, whether it's playing, watching, anything like that, to prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com, and you can get in the mix. Uh, six people and a friend will get to watch the game from a suite and take one person will take batting practice. So my memory today is, uh, and it's it's Russell Martin, as a Dodger in San Francisco, behind home plate, hitting a home run. It was then AT&T Park. Uh, we, my sister-in-law lives in uh, San Francisco. 
And she got us the tickets. They were, and you know what the great thing is? I was wearing my Dodger gear, and the San Francisco Giant fans were giving it to me, but in such a fun way. Like, you know who Ed Hervey is, right? Yeah. Former uh, Eskimo, now with the BC Lens. He told me one time, don't wear a Dolphins jersey to Raider Stadium. You'll, he saw a guy get the jersey ripped off. Like, you don't want to wear opposing gear at Raider Stadium uh, in Oakland, but... At, in San Francisco, it was so nice. They were like, eh, Dodger fan. Like, they were being good. We were g- going back and forth, and I would clap. It was it was actually, I felt safe and fun. You were sitting behind the plate? I was sitting behind home plate, yeah, with yeah. a bunch of Giant fans. That's a good spot to be. You know, you get a little further away from the action. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard some stories. But anyway, that's my favorite. Russell Martin, Canadian, hits a home run. Uh, and that's what, that's that and the Metrodome cool. are the only two ballparks I've been to. So it's, it's not easy to be, uh, better than the Metrodome. It's, it wasn't the greatest, uh, ballpark, <laughs> right? But that ballpark in San Francisco is gorgeous. If you ever get a chance Cathedral. to go, I highly recommend it. You can go out and see where all those Barry Bonds balls landed in uh, McCovey Cove. So that's my baseball memory today. Russell Martin home run for the Dodgers, uh, in San Francisco at that ballpark. What do you got? That's an awesome memory. Um, that ballpark is amazing, like you said. I've got a, I've got a, a cool story uh, tied into the Dodgers. So I was at Game 7 two years ago of the World Series, Dodgers at home versus the Astros. That whole series was back and forth with after the seventh inning, late inning heroics, home runs, big hits, you know, leading. And, and Game 6, the Dodgers had to come back late on to force Game 7. I had tickets. I had tickets before game six, so there was a decision. A friend of mine got tickets, and I'm going to get to this friend here in a second. This is actually the, the memory. Um, we had a choice to go game six or seven, and I said, no, we are doing game seven because that'll be way more cool than game six. We're going to hope for the best. As it turned out, game six happened, so all my buddies like, I can't believe you're going to game seven on the text. Everybody knew. I told everyone if this happens, this is what's going to happen. Okay, so we get to the park. We found tickets online, um, and then we tried to resell them because we we had uh, an extra ticket. We had three tickets by accident. Made a made a mistake on the click. Instead of two tickets, he had three tickets. You gotta find a friend. Well, we're in L.A., <laughs> so and I had been messaging, you know, baseball buddies like friends of friends. Hey, if you got a buddy down here, we can get him in. Like, and then just didn't happen. Just couldn't happen. So. There, were, there was like an hour-long wait to get into the gift shop up in the nosebleeds at Chavez Ravine. And for like the ballpark, the whole atmosphere. It unreal. takes like three hours to get there too, right? Because there's <laughs> only one way in and one way out, Yeah, right? well, we, we ended up getting there early and staying close by, so we were smart. Um, so we're waiting in line to go in the gift shop because I want to get some Dodger gear. Um, so we strike up a conversation, and, and um, one of the coolest things that I've ever been involved in in my life happened in this lineup talking to this person. So... A good friend of mine, Caitlin, with YourTrueHome.ca. Uh, she's a realtor. Uh, Caitlin does a great job with realty. So we're talking, and we strike up a conversation with this Dodger fan, uh, gentleman. I'd have to check his name. I didn't know I was going to go with this memory, but this is too good to pass up. So we're Facebook friends. I'd have to look up his name again. Um, so we start talking, and, and you know, conversation. We have all day to talk. We got an hour plus, so we're in the line. Uh, we get to the point where we tell him. Yeah, we've got an extra ticket. We tried to sell it. It wasn't happening. So we're like, I guess we're going to eat this. We'll split the cost. It sucks that we can't. Somebody needs to be here, right? And this dude's the same age. You know, this is, you know, I'm 36, 35, 36. Caitlin's the same. 
same as this guy. We started talking and we basically tell him like, you know, we've got an extra ticket. And he was talking about his wife and you know how cool she was. She was like, yeah, go to the game. This is important for you. We're like, you know what? We've got an extra ticket. Get your wife on the phone. See if she can get down here. And there's traffic. It's LA. It's last minute. It's all. Does this. she have a helicopter? Yeah, basically, right? Could she parachute in? So, so it ends up being that, and this was my friend's decision um, that I fully support. I'm like, if you want, we can still work to try and sell this ticket. It's up to you. And, and she said, you know what? I want to do something special for this this guy. And this is a stranger, but there was such a cool conversation that we had had. Um, so basically, uh, how it played out was. Uh, he got to enjoy Game Seven with his wife in Chavez Ravine. That's beautiful. Um, awesome story. The game, however, was two nothing Astros early. Belly was playing first base, made an error early. The Dodgers did absolutely nothing for nine innings. There was anticlimactic in the crowd, and it was over from the first pitch. So instead of being in Chavez Ravine and fifty thousand Dodger fans going bananas, we watched Houston Astros celebrate on Dodger Field. Not a good memory for me, but a good memory for you. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. Pleased to welcome in right fielder of the Edmonton Prospects, Travis Hunt, uh, having a, a really productive season so far. Leads the Prospects in doubles and Eight stolen bases. Uh, he's eight for eight in that category, hitting 422 in 45 at bats, which also leads the team, and he leads the team in hits. So, Travis Hunt, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, successful start so far for you here in Edmonton. How's it been? How's it felt? Uh, you know, I've been feeling really good. Um, I think the colder weather has been really helping me, if I'm if I'm being honest. The being from AZ, um, you know, it gets pretty hot up there when we're playing, especially in the summertime. That might be the first time I've ever heard that, Jordan. Uh, and and you've uh, you know been here. You you were born here. You don't hear a lot of people talking about the cold weather being a positive in Edmonton, at least for us, and and especially for visitors. Uh, you know from from Arizona. That's why we love them. And and I don't know if Trav's trying to get some extra playing time. I cannot play him anymore. He's played in every game, but we appreciate hearing that. Yeah, that might be a first for me, but a good a good sign. So let's let's chat just a little bit about that because I love hearing. Um, you know, how athletes approach the game and you just feel more comfortable uh, uh, because it's a, a little cooler as the innings go on as opposed to maybe the opposite where you were playing? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've always I've always grown up um, with kind of like a motto, like have a cool head. So, I mean, when I'm when I'm cooler, uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like everything's kind of smoother um, when I'm out sweating, sweating a lot in the heat. I don't really like it too much. Um so this cooler, this cooler weather helps helps quite a bit. All right, Jordan, let's uh, chat a little bit about Travis and uh, what you saw in him, what you heard about him, and, and the reason why he's here. Trav uh, was a guy that we targeted specifically. Um, I got in touch with Travis's uh, college baseball coach um, early in the process. This would be September. Um we just started talking about potential guys. I, I recognize their program as being an up-and-coming program, uh, a, a program that's had success, uh, has a winning culture, which was important to us that you know players understood what it took to, to win a bunch of games and how hard that is. Uh, and then you know just going through their roster and, and frankly the stats that's important. It gives you it gives you a, a little bit of an idea. It doesn't tell the whole story on a player. 
Um, stats are, are only a piece of what you're looking for, and, and there were good stats there, obviously. Uh, so that was appealing to us. Um, you know, I was looking to uh, specifically recruit middle of the order bats um, and, and get a bunch of guys, so not one guy had to do all the all the the heavy lifting. Um, so you know, we we targeted Travis off the hop and uh, coach down there um, had lots of good things to say about Travis. So so we pursued him. Uh, so that, that process, uh, you know, went through kind of the fall and, and Travis had to, you know, make decisions and, and, you know, there was other, other programs obviously interested in Travis. He's a, he's a good ball player and, and a good man. So, um, you know, we were hopeful at that point, you play a little bit of the waiting game, you know, try and stay in touch with the player and, um, you know, let him know we're thinking about him and, and we don't want him to forget about us. So, uh, we didn't stop the recruiting, you know, it was a player that we really wanted. So. Uh, we go through that process. Uh, I can't even remember exactly when when uh, we got it done for sure. I think it was early spring. Um, you know, we talked through Christmas all the way through, and and um, I had a chance to go down to Arizona. So we had signed Travis at that point, and I'm in I'm in Tucson uh, to to watch some college games. And this is really good uh, for me to be able to see it with my own eyes, not just Travis and and another player from his program that we had signed, but to get a lay of the land on a lot of different programs and a lot of players and speak to coaches and create relationships. So that trip was awesome that, that I took into Tucson. But I got a chance to see Trav play um, a couple times and, you know, really liked what we saw. He's in a good program. Uh, there were some veteran players in that program. And, you know, Trav was a guy that stood out. You know, he's a big kid, athletic kid, um, doesn't get cheated. You know, and, and without knowing much about him other than, you know, a little bit, uh, watching him play the whole game, you know, the, you can see some things in video, but but how does the player approach the whole game, all seven innings, the ups and downs of a game, you know, the mental focus, the the intensity, everything that's required to be a good baseball player, uh, and just see him do his thing. So that that was really cool. I made a couple plays in the outfield, um, and then unfortunately, and here's a little story for us, uh, Trav's team was playing my alma mater, University of Jamestown, and um, just so happened that the game went into extra innings, and who comes up to bat? It's Travis. Travis, it's a walk-off. Wow. So Trav beat my old team, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want this guy around. This bad for your past, good for your future. Bad for the past, good for the future. So that was kind of cool, and, and, and you know, I just say that in jest. It, it was pretty cool to see him do that, um, to come up with a big hit, clutch hit. And, and frankly, Trav hadn't had a great game offensively stat-wise. Like, yeah, bats were fine. Everything was fine, but hadn't hadn't got it done. You know, as they say, you want to get a hit every time up. Um, and to be focused and confident to get it done when it mattered – after you know maybe not getting a couple hits and, and not having the success you want early in the game that's what baseball is can you get it done you know 0 for 3 0 for 4 can you overcome the negative self-talk that you have as a hitter and can you be confident and, and can you rely on you know your fundamentals and your mindset to get it done and take this at bat for what it is it's just an at bat now it's at the end of the game nothing's really changed and, and Travis was able to do that that was cool it's icing on the cake well, that's similar to our very first guest on this uh, podcast from your team, Pierce Blahoviak, on your your uh, season opener. Yeah, he exactly. was talking about he had like struck out four times yep. going up, and then he and he goes up and, and ends up winning the game. So that is that's the great thing about baseball as compared to 
uh, hockey or, or basketball where it's a free-flowing game. Each at-bat is almost its own game uh, in, in a 100%, sense. 100%, exactly. You know, you're, if you're able to check down every time you get the opportunity to go up to the bat, um, that's that's super important to your ability and longevity in the mm-hmm. game. So yeah, really like cool. in hockey, you're you're on a breakaway. You're not thinking, oh, the last breakaway <laughs> I had, I got stopped. Or if in basketball, you get the ball at the the top of the three. You're not thinking about your last shot. You're just thinking about doing this. Baseball, there's a lot of time to think about it, and also to I I, I think carp, uh, compartmentalize things and like put things away. I'd imagine, right, Travis? Like. Let's forget about those three bats. I have a lot of time to figure this out and focus on the next one. It actually uh, reminds me of something. Uh, the Two days ago, um, our first game against the Okotoks, that wasn't my best game. Um, you know, I was just wasn't able to find the focus and uh, everything. And then yesterday, um, I kind of woke up in the morning. I just told myself, you know, don't really, don't really think about the day before. You know, that's, that's the day before. You know, today's a new day. Um, and every at bat's a new at bat. Like, you know, I'm always gonna get another opportunity. Uh, that's what I told myself after the game. You know, hey, guess what? I get to play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's something I picked up from um, reading Heads Up Baseball. That's what they say. And there's, you, you know, there's always another game to play. Yeah, golf's a lot like that too, right? You, you're walking up to your next shot. You can you can leave the last shot behind. Sometimes it's a lot harder uh, in golf. All right, so you play, uh, is it uh, Benedictine Mesa Redhawks? Is that how you say it? Uh, Benedictine. Benedictine, yeah. okay. The Mesa Redhawks of the California Pacific Conference. I uh, was looking at some of your numbers. You had a really good freshman year, 336, uh, co-freshman of the year in the conference. Uh, you led the team in home runs with eight, RBIs with 32 last year. Nine home runs, thirty-four RBIs. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you know college so far for you. It, it seems to be agreeing with your uh, statistics, anyway. Um, yeah, college has been a really great experience, especially the baseball aspect. Um, schooling, schooling, I really enjoy schooling as well. Um, I really enjoy uh, furthering my career in that aspect because um, that that's probably going to take me further than baseball will. Um, but. Uh, you know, I've had I've had a really big inspiration in my freshman and sophomore year coach uh, manager. His name was Kelly Sinet. He was a 14-year MLB catcher, um, and talking to him, and he really took me under his wing because he he saw something he saw something in me. He told me that my freshman year, um, and so he really he, he really helped me grow in the game. I think I had him in fantasy baseball one year actually. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you want to chat with Travis about? Well, for Trav, uh, you know he's uh, he, he's a work worker. Um, he's he's a guy that uh, doesn't get cheated and, and, and takes care of himself and prepares properly. So, you know, Trav, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about where where that work ethic comes from and and, and you know how you're able to kind of solidify a day to day approach as you came into college and and how you grew that approach uh, to where you're at now. I think that that work ethic actually came from having uh, like kind of like a chip on my shoulder growing up. I was never seen as the big kid. I was always really small until maybe my junior year of uh, high school. Um, so I always, I always had to play scrappy. I always I always modeled myself after David Eckstein or like a Dustin Pedroia. Mm. Um, you know, getting getting it done no matter what. Um, and uh, as of late, I have been I just been a uh, a student of the game really. I've been I've been learning a lot from I've been picking and choosing you know knowledge from everywhere like that that book I brought up Heads Up Baseball 
talks a lot about routines and how if you stay in a routine and you just focus on the process and not not the result, not the end result, that you know things will things will start falling in your in your favor. We had Shea Hillebrand on the show last week, and he was chatting with us about for young baseball players, just you know, watch the game and watch what this guy does and watch what this guy does or, or this guy doesn't do and things like that. So when you say you're a student of the game. Um, are there guys you like to watch in Major League Baseball? And when you're watching the game, well, some people might be watching like the whole game and focusing on this. You're kind of like keyed in on, you know, what the right fielder is doing. Are there guys that you study like that? Um, yeah, I mean, when I'm back home in California, I do go to a lot of Angel games. So I I uh, I watch Mike Trout a lot in center field. It's you not know, a bad uh, yeah. example to go after. Yeah, the, the best in the game. Um, so whenever I do go to the games, I, I watch him, what he does. Um, not only before an at bat, but in the outfield as well. Every pitch he's he's in it. Every every pitch he's you know getting a jump or doing this or doing that. Always prepared, right? Al- always always prepared. Always always focused on it. And um, I remember I remember reading an article about Miguel Cabrera during his um, one of his triple crown seasons, and uh, they were saying that. It was like the 160th game or something like that, and he flew out to the second baseman or something, and he threw his bat down in frustration after having an amazing historical year. And the reporters asked him after the game, you know, why did you take that at bat so personal? And he said, because I threw that at bat away. I should not have thrown that at bat away. And 160 games in the season, you're you're already you're basically the triple crown winner already, and he he still has that attitude. And so that's 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 another thing I kind of take. Never waste an at bat. Never, yeah. never waste anything. Yeah, like you, that's you, a good. That's a good uh, rule of, of thumb in general, right? Yeah, because I I never know. Jordan never knows. You never know when when my last game will be. So never never take it for granted. Uh, that's really interesting. We're with uh, Travis Hunt, uh, prospects, right fielder, um, and of course Jordan Blundell, head coach, is here. The guy that uh, recruited him. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the Bo Jackson impersonation uh, he did on uh, opening weekend uh, with that gun of an arm that you have in right field that's what I, I was texting him I'm like uh, the Bo Jackson uh, look alike <laughs> in uh, right field because the arm was impressive I think people are probably learning in this league not to run on you is that uh, a source of pride for you that uh, you know it, and do you look at it when a guy is running on you like a challenge and you get amped up a little bit what's that like um yeah I see I definitely see it as a challenge. Um, I think, I, I don't know if hitting a home run or throwing someone out is a better feeling, but I, I definitely think it's, it's up there, especially throwing someone out at home plate. That's, that's one of the best feelings ever. Um, I, I, I do, I do kind of take it personal if I'm being honest. I do take it personal because if you're challenging me and my arm and my abilities, um, you're going to pay for it. That's music to your ears, man. Oh, when you that. when you hear that, that's the exact attitude you want. Exactly. And, you know, Trav touched on something that's really important uh, to, to any parents or kids that, that listen to this show. Honestly, Heads Up Baseball uh, is a book that helped change my career. Uh, and it's, it's still around now affecting players, you know, 15, 20 years later. Heads Up Baseball is, you know, a Bible of sorts of how to approach the game. Uh, how to be successful inside the game. And success isn't always attached to numbers and stats. Like we said earlier, it's not always about your stats. It's about your ability to make a play defensively. It's about your ability to come up when you're 0 for 4 and go 1 for 5 and hit 200, which isn't great, 
but might help the team and win the help game. the team win the game. So heads up, baseball is a book written by Ken Revisa. Uh, rest in peace, Ken Revisa is uh, a visionary. He was probably the first true baseball sports psychologist on the block. Uh, he's a California uh, California guy. Uh, he's worked with dang near everyone. Uh, you know, Longoria, Tulo. Um, some names that you would remember, Tampa Bay's hired him, Toronto's hired him, the Giants have hired him. Um, he's been sought after as much of a commodity as as a player, uh, an important player to your team. That's how important Ken Revis has been to the game of baseball. Um, I absolutely love that book. Uh, like I said, it changed changed my career. It helped me get my priorities straight and focused and and took the pressure off some things. You know, you put a lot of negative negative talk and a, a lot of pressure on yourself sometimes in the game. And, and that book helps alleviate that. Not that it won't creep up, but then it gives you the tools to overcome it when it does. And um, it's awesome that Trav's all about that. Um, I, I have uh, a lot of respect for Travis, the way he approaches and prepares for the game. I'm not the least bit surprised that that book's important to him. Um, the, the way he plays the game and the way he goes about his business is... is textbook and that book heads up baseball is a textbook for baseball players yeah and and it's uh it's it's amazing how sometimes um when you're not focusing on mechanics so much and you're focused on kind of the mental game a little bit how much you can improve i remember when i was golfing a lot like you know playing like 45 60 rounds a year and you know playing you know trying to play with uh, my buddies for money and there's pride i was reading a, a game a book called golf is not a game of perfect by dr bob rotella one of the early as you talked about uh, sports psychologist in in that game and, and it's just amazing what you can do when you get out of your own way and and that's a lot like golf baseball there's a lot of time to get in Some your own way there, yeah. during uh, the game so where did your arm come from? Did you, uh, you know, like uh, all of a sudden at six years old realize you had this cannon of an arm? Was it something that you worked on? Was it something that somebody said to you earlier in your baseball career in Little League that, hey, if you do this, your arm could be pretty special? How did you develop that arm? And is uh, it insured? <laughs> my, my mom always tells, uh, she always texts me whenever I throw someone out or something like that. She's always like, man, I'm really glad I gave you my, my jeans. You know, I'm really <laughs> glad I gave you my arm. Thanks, mom. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think uh, just I used to pitch growing up, and um, I I didn't want to deal with any arm injuries. You know, I didn't want to do I didn't want to be sidelined for six months or something like that. Play, growing up, you know, I wanted to play every day. Um, so I really took a lot of pride in strengthening my arm as well as keeping it healthy. Um, and that's that's with everything, you know, weightlifting, uh, training, throwing, perfecting the arm path, uh, stuff like that. Um, but I think, I think I started to notice that I had a, a live arm per se in maybe my junior year of high school. Um, again, I wasn't really a big guy. I, I was never really a big guy, but I really did take notice to it when, um, I transitioned from the infield to the outfield and I was like, man, I can make these throws, you know, pretty, pretty decently. So I started working and working and working. I did a lot of long toss. I did a lot of, uh, of weighted balls. I did a lot of, a lot of J bands. I've done, you know, everything in the book to try to get my arm as strong as possible. And I, I keep, I mess around with people in the dugout, but I really do. I tell them, uh, I want to throw a hundred miles an hour and I'm, I'm being truthful. I, I do want to throw a hundred miles an hour from the outfield. I think it's very possible. Do they have, do they met rate? Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Oh yeah. yeah. Somebody actually sent me a question and asked if there were radar guns 
at Rebacks Field for your games. Uh, I don't know if there are. I don't know if you guys, the league has anything like that. Is there anything? Yeah, set we up? don't have anything up. Um, maybe the, for the All Star game, maybe. Yeah, maybe the like, and and it's something probably we grow into. Yeah. Uh, as a as an organization, um, we're not against it. Obviously, there's important parts to that. Uh, we would love it for the broadcast. That's for yeah, sure. I bet. Hey, uh, the placement of the gun and, and the way our stadium sits and where the fans are. There's there's some challenges there of where we can put it properly okay. so that the fans aren't affected by it and, right. and things like that. You know, not something that can't be overcome. But we something just, you can look into. Yeah, we haven't got no, there no yet. We can measure Travis's arm. You know, there, it, it's funny. It's funny how the league goes, and and this is a serious league. Um, it, it's a get it done league, and and teams are. Nobody wants to lose. The people have a lot of pride. There's a lot of players and coaches that have put their lives into the game, and when they come up here, and if they're not from here, um, playing the game the right way is important, and, and trying to win a baseball game is what this league's all about. So it's been cool to watch uh, the transition. We've played a couple of teams a couple of times now, yeah. and uh, balls get hit to right field, and Trav's out there. Um, there was some testing done early. Some some teams and coaches wanted to find out. Uh, they they found out. And Trav put a couple guys back in the dugout, and uh, not that not too long after that, there were some stop signs getting put up on the base pass. For sure. So it's been cool to see speed. Uh, I know you have some speed. You like to steal bases. You have some power. Uh, obviously, the defense. Is there somebody that you model yourself after? Is there a a particular player that not that you're saying I'm going to be him, but this, that's the style I want to be. Um, I mean, it would have to be Mike Trout. Mike Trout, he he, he took after uh, the mindset of Derek Jeter, and Derek Jeter was like hustle out everything, the same thing, never take it for granted. Um, and that's that's how that's how I want to be. I'm not gonna be, I'm not in center field, obviously, but um, yeah, I want to be I want to be that five tool guy. Like I wanna I wanna I wanna have the power. I wanna have the speed. I wanna have the arm, the defense. You know everything. And um, my, I figured Mike Trout, the best player in the game, is probably someone to look after. Do you look at him as a five-tool player? Yeah, he, Trav is a five-tool yeah. player. He seems to have all the attributes of it, for yeah, sure. You know what? And then, um, you know, power comes with age. You know, sometimes uh, younger players, you know, they want to put up numbers because that's, that's what gets seen and, and scouts and all, all that that's stuff. That's what grabs that's, the headlines, right? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, uh, true swings, power develops as you age. And, and your ability to, to uh, strike the ball in the right spot in the hitting zone and, and, you know, technique. And there's a lot of things that come attached to that. And, and, and scouts will tell you power numbers increase as you get older because you learn. You, you, be, you become more experienced as a hitter and you know what you're looking for and you don't waste swings, you don't waste at-bats like Trav talked about. Um, so I think there's more mature power coming for Trav, but uh, but as far as an athlete, he, he he's an electric athlete with power potential that, that he puts on display. I mean, he hit a ball center field against Okotoks that they couldn't track down in the big outfield. Uh, and Here, this, at yeah, Remax? Yeah, yeah, at Remax. And that's one of the things about our park that um, hopefully the fans understand, and, and, and it's all right if they don't. I'm not saying it like that. The, the, the ballpark out into the gaps into center field is massive. Mm -hmm. So it was, at one point it was the third largest outfield in yeah, North America. And I, and I bet you it still is because they don't make big ballparks anymore. They're making them small um, for the fans and get the, the, the power numbers up. And that's why the power part of the reason the power numbers are high is the ballparks are smaller than they used to be. Having said that, like the ball Trav hits out of every other ballpark in our league. 
and it's a no doubter out of every other park in our league and it's a trot out of the box in our park it's not and and that's that's obviously no knock on trav like big leaguers have trouble getting the ball out of the, our, our ballpark in that specific area so um really cool trav busted out of the box it was a triple off the bat literally their fast center fielder couldn't track it down with all that room that's how hard the ball was hit pretty cool to watch and pretty fun actually to watch Trav run the bases. Um, he's a big kid now. I know he talks about he wasn't wasn't the biggest kid growing up. He's a big boy now, and and he plays the game the right way. You came with a Red Hawk teammate, uh, Austin Kennedy or Kennedy Kennedy. That's good. Sounds like Canada. So, uh, tell us um, about what attracted you to Edmonton and and becoming a prospect. Um, I think it was just uh, Jordan. Um, you know, contacted me in the fall. Um, like, I, I've never played. I've never played summer ball. I've never been, you know, part of uh, any type of league during the summer. During the summer, I always trained, and you know, tried to get stronger and faster and bigger for the for the following year. Um, this is my first time, um, you know, playing playing any kind of summer league. This is my first time out of the country as well, out of the states, but. Um, I think I think the opportunity once it presented itself, um, I was I was all for it. And he, he Jordan was talking about how I, I had other opportunities to weigh out, um, and I did. But I think I think I did make the right decision coming here because this, this is I mean it, it's a beautiful city. Um, I love the fans. We have a lot of turnouts, um, and which is actually it's it's honestly really really fun to see that. Um, and experience that, especially when when you make a big play or you do something, you hear the crowd cheering. It just gives you the chills. Yeah, that opening weekend was awesome, and uh, hopefully you guys go on a long playoff run. Uh, the All Star Game is something that you can strive for because there'll be a big crowd for that one for sure, and uh, a few other games. Uh, obviously, when you have a guy like Travis and, and others, you can be aggressive on the base pass. You can't if uh, if if the speed is um, you know a seven out of 10 instead of an eight or a nine out of 10 it is you probably wouldn't be able to steal as much is that the the, the roster that you've built allows you to be aggressive and with a guy like him and, and some others it must be pretty fun to put those calls on yeah for sure do you know uh great point to touch on uh, you're putting me on the spot maybe a little bit i don't want to be giving away any trade secrets here to, to all the other gms listening here um, well i think they know you have a pretty fast team <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably at this point. Um, you know, honestly, Dean, uh, that was part of the plan. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say that uh, I'm the smartest guy in the world, and and you know, I knew that it would play out as such. It was the plan, and, and you know what? Like Trav talked about it, and, and heads up, baseball. I had a process that I wanted to go through um, selecting players first. First of all, sorry, identifying players, then recruiting them and then hopefully getting them on a contract you know there, there's lots of decisions to be made this isn't a big money league so um, you can't woo players in that sense and um, for sure Dino there was a there was an emphasis with the size of our outfield and the, the way our infield plays that we wanted to have some guys that could run a little bit um, super happy so far with the, the level of intellect that our base runners have and and the level of aggressiveness and and good decision making you know, you can be the fastest guy in the world and, and, and not be a great base runner. Um, there, there's some intricacies attached to being good at it with some speed. And then, you know, if you're really good at it, plus you're fast, 
that's a double whammy. That's a great combo to have. And I feel like the guys that, that we, that we have that do run a bit, um, also bring that element of baseball savvy with it. Um, and, and there's only so much you can know about a player when you're talking to him on the phone and texting and, and, you know, you get a feel, yeah, he kind of gets the game and whatnot. Yeah, it's hard to tell how fast the guy is by talking to him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but you can get the numbers. You yeah, know, that's you, it. Yeah. You get the numbers and it's like baseball fast versus, you know, on a clock fast. And they're two different things. Track fast versus baseball fast. Exactly. Yep. Like, like the, you can put down a great time and not be the best base runner and get bad jumps and, totally. and, and run slower than your ability says you should be doing. Um, and, and yeah, like, like I said, we're, we're really happy with the, with the level of baseball acumen that the players that have come up here have brought. And, and you know what, the other cool thing about that is, is when they can get together and talk. So we had a conversation yesterday in the game, a couple of base runners in a situation, and we went through some, some potential scenarios. Um, and we were trying to get some information off their pitcher and trying to make a decision of whether we would try and steal a base or not and when would be a good time. And um, I, I absolutely love that conversation as a coach, as a baseball person, as a fan of the players that I have on the team, to, to be able to be involved in a conversation that was – you know, it's a, it's a 35 second conversation that has, you know, big implications on the outcome of the game and, and to hear everybody's opinion and, and to spitball an idea and, and get to a decision and, and make a decision. And, you know, if this happens, we'll decide to do this. And, and there's so many moving parts that if it doesn't happen, are we doing it still? And um, that conversation yesterday was really cool to have. I've had a bunch of those conversations with Trav already. Um, just kind of ideas, you know, who's hitting in front of you, who's hitting behind you, how we want to approach maybe being more aggressive versus less aggressive, depending on the outs, the count, who's hitting. And that's an open dialogue between Trav and I, and, and Trav's showing me that, that he can make good decisions. So we can just have a, a, a brief chat on the, the idea behind it. And Trav's allowed to do and read what he sees and play the game of baseball. And I love having players that can do that. You must love the aggressiveness so far because I, I'd imagine uh, maybe this is not a good comparison, but when I play MLB the show, I want to steal every time I get on first base, whether the manager tells me to or not. I'm not sure if that's a good comparison or not, but that's how I base everything is my, my character Gus on road to the show Same in MLB. So, but you must love the aggressiveness because you probably, you're probably thinking I could probably steal a base every time, you know, you're not going to because the strategy and the percentages but you probably party wants to steal a base every time you get on I think I think every time I get on first base um I, I really do want to advance to get into scoring position for the guy behind me um and not only for the guy behind me but for the team as well because if that guy can get a single when I'm on second base I think there's a pretty good chance that we're going to be able to score that run yeah, sometimes I won't even take second in MLB. I'll just stay on first so I can steal the base. I'm sure the manager, <laughs> don't do that. Jordan yeah, yeah. would not like that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you're wearing today. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm a, a massive Dodgers fan. I told you the brief story before we got on air. My now wife, when we started dating, was visiting her sister in California in San Francisco and brought me back a Giants baseball it would be like, she's an Oilers fan, it would be like giving her a Flames jersey or something. And I had to choose between, do I end this relationship because she bought me the San Francisco <laughs> Giants baseball or do I suck up my pride? 
you're wearing this, and I'm a giant Dodgers fan. Did you did you wear that on purpose to get in my head today? Uh, no, I did not. Um, uh, I'm just a fan of baseball. You know, uh, I was telling Jordan on the way up here. He was he was actually clowning on me in the in the clubby about it. Um, yeah, I'm just a fan of baseball. I mean, um, I got I have all types of uh, different baseball attire. Um, from all ranging all of all the the baseball clubs, kind of like me with hockey. Yeah, yeah, I got a I got a lot of I got a lot of uh, sweaters and shir- shirts and all that stuff. So well, Trav's got a good story about how he's had all these different teams. Trav, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey in youth baseball and maybe why you have so many of these uh, cool items. Um, so in my town, there was uh, probably only about one or two. Um, different youth clubs that I could really go to and one of them was called um, it was called Pony Pony League and it was um, it was a league where I actually met a lot of my my now best friends uh, in that league and we all grew up playing baseball together but um, they they have uh, certain teams and um, the teams are modeled after you know the the big MLB teams so like the A's the Dodgers you know all that stuff and uh, uh, I, my first team was I was on the Yankees, and my dad my dad actually has a, a Yankee pullover just like the one I'm wearing right now, and uh, so I snagged that from him because he you know like it's a it's a Yankee thing on it so I'm like I'm gonna take it, um, but yeah I had I have a bunch of them I have the the Yankees the A's the Angels the Giants cool. I have I, I got a whole assortment of it because my dad uh my dad wanted uh, the best for us and. Uh, he also wanted the best for himself, and so he, he got a bunch of these for himself as well. Oh, that's excellent. What do you think of uh, uh, Max Muncy and uh, Mad Bum? Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. Muncy hits the home run. Mad Bum's telling him, "Don't watch, run." And <laughs> Muncy replies, "If you if you want to go get it from the ocean or whatever." Like, listen, I love it. I love it too. But I'm a Dodgers guy, and here's my philosophy: If you don't want the guy to celebrate, don't let him hit a home run off you. Don't if he hits a home run. Maybe I don't agree with celebrations all the time or bat flips. I like them sometimes, but you hit the home run. Do whatever the hell you want. If you don't, if you want to prevent the guy from doing it, don't let him do it. It's like when guys celebrate in the end zone or whatever, and people complain about it. Well, stop him then. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, I don't know. What's your as a as a like? You know, do you, a, oh, how, when you hit a home run, are you put the bat down, or does it depend on the situation? Are you a bat flip guy? Uh, no, I'm not a huge bat flip guy. Um, most of the time when I when I hit home runs, I, I I put my head down. It's strictly business, you know. I put my head down and I just try to run the bases. Um, I actually have a funny story. Um, one of my buddies back in Arizona, he was a catcher for uh, he was in the minor leagues for a couple of years, and he said that whenever a pit, whenever someone would bat flip or, or you know make a big deal out of a home run, um, and he was catching, he would go up to the pitcher and say, "If you don't want that to happen, make a better pitch next time." That's a, isn't that like it's it's blunt, but it's yeah. true, right? Yeah. Well, that's part of the game. You know what's funny is, is there, there's a technical part to Muncie watching that ball, and this is the beauty of baseball, and something I feel um, is the way it is, and maybe I'm wrong. When right-handed hitters hit home runs, they have to go find where the base is, so their eyes. They, it's tough for them to watch it. When lefties pull a home run, they're going that way anyway. And that's why lefty home run swings are so majestic looking because when they catch it, 
they're watching and going the same way, and it makes it it makes it that much more fun to pull a ball of the ballpark as a lefty. So once he pulls one, he's obviously going to watch it for ninety plus feet as he gets to first base, thus inducing kind of a cooler home run look and all that kind of stuff. I totally agree with that. I mean, he caught that ball. You know, he's watching it. it you know, it was hit four hundred plus feet. It's kind of something you want to watch every once in a while. And, it didn't look like he was doing anything. He wasn't showing up. Mad Bum's a, an ultra uber competitor. Sure. No, I'd take him on my so, team every oh, day of the week. Sure. Everybody would, right? That's yep. just it's heat of the moment stuff. And those guys, those guys get uh, going. All right, let's uh, wrap up. Um, you know, we broadcast the games. Your family been able to uh, watch the games on uh, online, and and what do they think of it? And what do you think of Edmonton so far? Uh, yeah, my family they've been they've watched every single game, uh, all of them, and. Uh, they they actually just got a brand new TV, so they're all pumped about Sweet. it. They can they can put it on the TV, and they're all the the whole family. My my grandparents live real close by, and so they come over. My aunt comes over. They all watch me play. Watch parties. That's yeah. awesome. And uh, you know they can't they can't make up they can't make the the long journey out here to watch me play. Um, so I, I really I really like that there's there's an opportunity for them to w- be able to watch me. We'll have to start advertising in his hometown yeah, with some uh, local businesses and stuff. In and out burger on the commercials there. That's right. <laughs> uh, Travis, thanks so much for uh, joining us uh, this morning on the podcast, and uh, best of luck this week and the uh, rest of the season. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. <sighs> it's fantasy time. Fantasy baseball, that is. Who needs to be in your lineup? And who shouldn't? We've got the latest info to help you dominate your league. Bumgarner's 1-0. Bellinger swings. High drive. Center field. Hit the wall. Grand slam. Cody Bellinger. It's go time. All right. Well, we know Cody Bellinger uh, and Justin Verlander should be in everybody's lineup. But uh, a couple of names that are also going to be... Either waiver claims, or if you were like me, you had them stashed on your uh, roster, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell. Keuchel uh, finally signs with the Braves. We talked about this last week, that it was going to happen after June 2nd when they uh, they didn't have to give up uh, a pick. And uh, Kimbrell uh, ends up with the Cubs, and uh, the the Cubs are they're going to take their time. They're in a, a tide with Milwaukee last time I checked in the uh, NL Central and uh, they they kind of say like they're going to be like getting him thrown in the bullpen a little bit they're they're not rushing him which is uh the smart move um I would like the Braves to get uh, Keichel in the lineup as soon as possible so I can get him in my fantasy lineup but what kind of a fantasy impact do you think these guys are going to have my my goal is to either help have Keichel help me uh, really get into the playoffs or sell him at the deadline yeah, that's a great strategy. Do you know, uh, you know, and, and both guys, you can take your time, set them up, get them ready properly, which they, you know, they're probably not that far off. They've been training their professional. They've athletes. been throwing sim games yeah, exactly. and things like that. Um, Kimbrel's going to help anybody that has him. Um, he's, he's a strikeout guy. He's a low whip guy. Uh, he's going to pick up some saves. That's something the Cubs needed. They're in tight games a lot. You know, I could see him putting up 20, 30 saves, even, even this late in the year coming into it. Um, that's huge value for you to add that to your lineup. I'm not sure who has him in our league. Both guys are gone, and I know both owners were waiting for this day uh, for sure. And then Dallas Keuchel, you know what? That's uh, that's a pitching rich franchise. Guys that pitch there do well. Um, he's got uh, Brian McCann there. You know, a former teammate in Houston. There's a, there's going to be some chemistry and some symmetry there already. 
Um, look for both guys to be fantasy players right off the hop. And for you, Dino, that, that uh, hopefully you can sneak back into where you need it and that guy helps you out uh, on, on a playoff run. Yeah, this week uh, did not go so well uh, for me. I, I, after after like two really strong weeks, I uh, I came back to earth. I think I was like nine three and uh, nine three. I lost, and so remember I told you I made that ridiculous run and I gained like half a game. Um, I lost uh, like a full game yeah. after one week. So the fantasy baseball, especially in baseball, there's so many swings. Uh, what's going on with you and your fantasy baseball team right now? Is you know, there is there anybody you're looking to add, unload? You know what? Uh, Edwin Encarnacion killed me this week with the bird. He had five home runs. You were playing him? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say. Absolutely yeah. killed me. Um, without his numbers, you know, I take that week from my opponent. Double league does the Edwin fly around the bases a few times and sunk me this week. <laughs> Uh, I loved him as a J. Um, so that hurt. Uh, I lost uh, nine three. You know, and then we, you know, we were close in every category. And, and again, the, you know, the, the vultures are going to be circling. Um, but for some fantasy tips, there's uh, you know a, a player in in Tampa Bay that's always been viewed as as an offensive catcher. Travis Darno had a huge week. Um, I know he's going to be available in a lot of leagues and maybe something that you want to take a look at to get some offense out of that position is huge. Um, there is one more guy that was real interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, a starting pitcher slash relief pitcher that can maybe get some dual slotting on your roster. Ryan Yarbrough um, had a huge year last year. It's kind of one of those openers, mid-inning relief guy. You know, throw four innings from the second through the six or close the game down for three or four innings. He's a high K walk guy, meaning that low whip. He can fit in on your starting pitcher, your relief pitcher, or just your pitcher slot. He might be a guy that somebody wants to look at uh, replacing maybe one of your stars that's going through the midseason uh, numbers crunch. And uh, he's a guy that throws two or three times a week potentially. So you can pick up some innings and some Ks, help your whip, help your K walk. Um, he might be a guy you want to take a look at, Dino. If you have any fantasy baseball questions, uh, comments, or uh, smart remarks, you can send us uh, an email, prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at prospectspod. Uh, Jordan will put his uh, fantasy baseball obligations ahead of the prospects. Uh, so even <laughs> mid-game, if you, if you have a prospect or a fantasy question, uh, send him a text uh, or a tweet mid-game. He'll get back to you uh, while he's uh, directing uh, Travis Hunt to double steal or something like that. <laughs> so that's uh, a little bit of uh, fantasy baseball. Play ball! Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crackers. Want two tickets to an upcoming prospects game? Get your thinking ball caps on and answer this baseball trivia question. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. All right, before we get into uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game trivia, that is Christine Bandolo and uh, sitting right here in this chair, Recording that wonderful voice, great actor. Uh, her husband Kevin Dabbs is a uh, well. They're both really great friends. They they uh, sung at our wedding. Uh, the, oh, the two sweet. people that do all our voice work. So if you're ever looking for uh, quality voice work, 
just uh, send us a note. We can hook you up with uh, Christine Bandalow and Kevin awesome. Dabs. Uh, they do all the voice work for all my podcasts, and she's got a wonderful voice. Yeah, that's so, great. So our trivia question today is, uh, we, we talked about Nolan Ryan in uh, baseball history, so we're going back to that a little bit. Who was the last Major League Baseball play- pitcher to throw a no-hitter? So basically, when was the last no-hitter? There's been a couple of close ones, and at some point we're going to get into, would you take a guy out during a no-hitter? We don't have time for it today, but no. as a uh, coach manager, would you take, I hate when it happens, but there is sometimes bigger things. I don't know what's bigger than a no-hitter, but anyway, we'll get into that at some point. So who was the last Major League Baseball pitcher to throw a no-hitter? You can email us. Prospects baseball show at gmail.com with your answer. And if you're correct, we'll get in touch with you about going to an upcoming prospects game. As for last week, uh, who did Shea Hillebrand finish his career with? The Mighty Dodgers. Short season, but uh, he played with the Dodgers uh, with them uh, to wrap up. And what a, what a conversation that was with uh, Shea last week. If anybody missed our interview with uh, Shea Hillebrand, uh, be sure to go back and check out episode three. He was very open and honest and had some really important advice, I think, for some young ball players. The pitch. There's a long one to right field. Forget about it. This one is headed for New Jersey. High into the upper deck. Barry Barnes with a spectacular three-run homer. Who is the best left fielder of all time? How about your favorite shortstop ever? What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy. It's time to build your all-time team. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin Dabbs. All-time team today. We're talking shortstop. Uh, this is how this works. Uh, you can email us one of two ways. You can email us uh, who you think is the best of all time at each position. So we're doing uh, all position players. Um, so one being starting pitcher, uh, right through to right field. We're doing a DH and a reliever. So 11 in total. Uh, Jordan and I are going to reveal ours one at a time, but you can send us your entire team, either your favorite players at each position or the best players at each position. And each category is going to produce a winner and they get winter banquet tickets, which is going to be really exciting as you guys reveal more plans about that. So a pair of tickets to the winter banquet uh, for somebody that reveals their best team, who they think is the best and somebody who reveals their favorite. And we do both. And we're doing shortstops today, which is my favorite position. I never played shortstop except for when I managed a slow pitch team and I made myself the shortstop. (laughs) (laughs) But I always played like a second base or catcher uh, when I was growing up uh, playing baseball. And and I just love, so in MLB The Show, my guy is a shortstop. And then they try to move you to third base. And I like said no, and they bench me. And then, so anyway, (laughs) I'm just a shortstop. Okay. So this is my favorite position. I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to start with my favorite shortstop, okay. the Wizard of Oz. We just heard him in that uh, intro. 13 straight gold gloves at shortstop. It's interesting. He started in San Diego and was pretty good. Uh, finished second in uh, Rookie of the Year voting. And then there was this contract dispute that his agent it took out a help wanted ad in the paper saying like this uh, baseball player is looking for other work. And then the owner's wife Took responded by saying, well, you can come be my gardener. And it was like, okay, there's never going to be a happy ending for this. So he ended up getting traded for, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a shortstop that had flipped the bird to the fans in uh, St. Louis. Uh, so Whitey Herzog goes like, oh, we, we got to fix this. <laughs> so they, they make that trade. And what do you know? Ozzie Smith dealt to the cards, wins a World Series in 82. And like I mentioned, 13 straight gold gloves. Did not have a lot of power. 
sometimes struggled at the plate, but he was fast. Like it, it, we've talked about Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Ozzie Smith, all these guys, and he had speed to burn. And obviously, you know, one of the best defensive shortstops ever. The wizard. And the backflips. Like oh. the backflips were awesome. Uh, so Ozzie Smith, for me, um, like his range was so incredible. Like there was like it was it was like. I never thought there was a ball he couldn't get to almost. So oh, no, totally. that's my favorite. Um, what do you got for favorite? My favorite of all time, the shortstop position. Um, the clutch the clutch acronym uh, attached to a player is a little bit uh, of a fairy tale. You know, there, there's, you know, like you hit the big shot in basketball, but you miss a bunch of them. But when you hit it, you're clutch and all that kind of stuff. My favorite of all time is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter is is that guy. What was he, Mister November, for that home run the other way in, in the short porch in Yankee Stadium? Um, his ability, his big game ability, the the big play ability, the the confidence, the professionalism. And I, when I was younger, I did not like the Yankees. I was a Yankee hater. And as I've grown, uh, growing up in the game. Um, I, I've become more of a baseball fan without those kind of silly grudges and whatnot. To, and I just couldn't deny it any longer that I love Derek Jeter. So it didn't make sense for me to be a Yankee hater anymore. Um, you know, and, and he could play the position, you know, as he, as he aged, uh, you know, obviously his range wasn't as good and, and, uh, maybe he wasn't able to make as many plays as early in his days, but everything about him, uh, for me was, was, uh, favorite player type, a uh, uh, baseball player, made plays in the hole, that that Barry Larkin type throw on the leap, um, and then obviously the World Series rings. You know the the fact that he was that main cog in the team that got it done so often was really cool to watch, and uh, that's who I've got. Dino as my favorite favorite shortstop of all time is Jeets. Well, that's who I have as the best. Uh, so I'll just continue with yeah. the the accolades. <laughs> uh, you know, and and one of the like. This wasn't a shortstop play, but he might have made the greatest play of all time uh, with that flip to uh, Jorge Posada yeah. to get Giambi yeah. uh, in Why 2001. No game th- yeah, I, I don't get it, but... Game three of the 01 ALDS. I don't know why they're sending Giambi, uh, but maybe you're, you're like, ah, oh, they missed the cutoff and Jeter with the flip. And that's maybe the greatest play I've ever seen. The Yankees seen. were down 0 2 in that series. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's what allowed them to come back. So there was that play, rookie of the year in 96, five silver slugger awards, 310 career average. It's pretty awesome. Like when I compare the offensive statistics to Ozzie Smith, it's not even close. No, no. Um, and five World Series rings. So th- that's. That's what I think makes Jeter the whole package as the best. Who do you think was, if, if Jeter was your favorite, who do you think is the best or is it Jeter? Well, uh, le- real quick, you know, I got to add two things on there because we're at Jeter Love Fest. 3,000th hit. That's right. It's a bomb. <laughs> yeah. That's such a Jeter thing to do. It, that's a Yankee Jeter thing. Yeah. And his last hit to walk off the other way on the classic Jeter single to end his career in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr- favorite team growing up is the Yankees. Gets drafted by the Yankees. Only plays for the Yankees. <laughs> like, this is, you can't write this Hollywood script. Yeah. You really can't. All the World Series rings, the big play. Unreal. Unreal. So, my best of all time is, is kind of similar to your favorite. Um, I'm going with Omar Vizquel as the best. Deadly. Uh, like, the the new age wizard, you know, took the took the mantle from Ozzie Smith as that guy that just makes plays. He's a vacuum. Maybe hit a little bit better. He's, he uh, he's a 272 career Batting average, 2,877 hits. Uh, 
nine consecutive gold gloves, uh, then had a break and then won two more with the Giants. Um, you know, some of the plays that he made were, were just routine. The fact that he gobbled up so many ground balls, like his defensive range, his UZR rating, if we got into the technical stuff. Um, and you know, like there's some cool stuff with, with Omar on Instagram nowadays when he's back home, uh, in Venezuela playing with kids and showing kids things, how quick his hands are. I don't know how old he is. He's gotta be 50 plus how quick he is and, and like just soft. It's a marvel to watch his feet and his hands, you know, do, do his thing. And then he made fielding ground balls look easy and, and it's not, and it's not at the big league level. Uh, and for him to make it as easy as he did, uh, he's my best of all time. Defensive shortstop, Omar Vizquel. All right, send us your uh, best and your favorite, or one or the other, to prospectsbaseballshow at gmail.com, and we can get your thoughts on who you think is the best and who you think is your favorite, and you could be going to the winter banquet. So we're talking shortstop. That leads us perfectly into our final segment, Then Versus Now, where we take a look at something in today's game versus uh, many years ago when when it didn't exist or it's changed and um, I, I don't know do you do you have another hour because we're talking about the shift we're here. really gonna do it we're gonna do it we're talking about the shift I hate it um, <laughs> I I think it's the, the I think here's my solution a second baseman cannot cross second base until after the ball is hit same with the shortstop you could play right up to it if you want to but after the ball you can do anything listen I I think it's it's easy to say, let's just teach everybody to hit everywhere. Let's just teach everybody to be Tony Gwynn and Ichiro. <laughs> well, it just doesn't work that way, right? Guys are built differently. Some guys are just naturally pull hitters or whatever it might be. So until we develop these all-around hitters, why are we making the game less entertaining by employing this stupid shift? It looks dumb, and I, I hate the outcome of it because we do not have... 75% of the hitters are like Tony Gwynn. It's just not going to happen. It's not Rod Carew, everybody. It's not Rod Carew. <laughs> I'm going to stoke the fire a little bit more for you, Dino. How about the four outfielders? You loving that too? No. <laughs> There's positions for a reason. But like, rover. Yeah, yeah we, there is no rover. <laughs> like, this is not slow pitch. So I don't know. Maybe I'm, and I still like bunting. So maybe I'm just an old stupid idiot that uh, can't change with the times. <laughs> well, but... the shift would help you bunt more and the guys take advantage of that. Well, yeah, there's, but there's I... so much money involved. Why, why, when do you remember the shift coming in? I mean, the last three, four years it's become pre- prevalent. Um, there's always kind of been a little bit of it, very minuscule. Hey, hey, get over five more steps, but you never used to see the, the third never baseman. To, you never used to see third base or shortstop yeah. crossing sec. Like I know. Four outfielders on one side or three you know, on one that's, side. That's we 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 need to have another show. It's an analytic show. It's the numbers say that when when uh, the batter doesn't hit the ball well, this is where it goes. When he hits it well, this is where it goes. Versus when he doesn't, this is where it goes. The tendencies, you know, the pitcher's ability to locate pitches and where you know, Dean, if you're on the mound, you know, where do you typically throw the baseball and how does it move? Well, Dino does this, so let's put our defense in this area for him. I, Listen, I completely I understand, understand your side of it but too. But no, Dino. I understand the effectiveness of it. I'm not dumb. Like I, when, <laughs> when I when I watch the game, I understand how how effective it is. I just don't see how it's entertaining. Like yeah. like, what, do we want more hits or do we want like you know in certain situations like do we want more outs or do we want more hits? Well, you 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 remember the uh, PED? Everybody was glued to baseball. I'm not saying we should go back to PEDs, yeah. but. More hits equals more excitement for the game. So you tell me as a hitter, how hard is it, unless you are 
the Tony Gwynn, Ichiro type guy, how hard is it to hit, to try to hit opposite way other than bunting? It's really hard. Really hard. So <laughs> why are we doing this? I, I know the effectiveness, but you know what? The trap was effective in the NHL. It sucked the life out of the game. Yeah. And I think this is doing the same thing. Well, you got a good, you got a good argument here, Dino, for it. Uh, and a d- real good uh, comparison with the trap in the NHL. And, and it was boring. It was 2-1 games. There was hooking and holding. And, and they did a good job. And they had to buckle down to, to get that out of the game. And the speed of the game has increased now because of it. Um, it's, this is, seems like one of those things, the cat's out of the bag on this. How do we put it back in? How do you now take the shift away? The genie back in the bottle. Yeah, exactly. And now guys are, you know, pulling the ball through the three hole. That's a lefty between first and second that they're preventing now. How do we go back to saying, no, you can't do that. And then balls are sneaking through and now pitchers are, yeah. You know, oh man, they, they've definitely got something on their so hands here. So as a here. coach manager, do you like it? It's a tool. Do you um, use it a lot? I haven't yet. Uh, I haven't I have, noticed it. And no, I haven't done I've it yet. To. Like we're learning the other team's tendencies a little bit now. Um, honestly, Dino, I wouldn't put it past us to do it. Uh, we've we've moved guys. You'll never be allowed back on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's a prospect I a de- show. I got a decision to make, yeah. I guess. Uh, guys, uh, we're going to have to give up that spot. I can't spot, do the shift. Uh, I got a show with Dino. I got a podcast <laughs> to do. Um, we've, we've moved some guys a little bit based on what we think so far, um, at that, like kind of the old school level, Hey, get over five more steps. Um, at the youth level through my career, I have used it. I have stacked the infield. Um, we may do it. Uh, we may not, uh, I wouldn't put it past us. Um, at the end of the day, it, you know, if their hitter cannot do anything but this, it, uh, at the end of the day, if that's, what's going to help us win a game, uh, we're going to do what we need to do. Yeah. Like I said, the effectiveness, I understand. I just don't know how, uh, baseball people can think this is at all exciting. Um, and, and part of the game is being entertaining part, you know, you want to yeah, win, sure. but you can cert- you can create the rules to create more excitement. Anyway. I don't like the shift. Uh, I know it's effectiveness. I know I'm uh, probably like uh, maybe in the minority with people saying, well, just teach people to hit better. But I don't think that's as easy as it sounds either, right? Oh, man. When you're facing 95 plus. Like, do you start at like eight years old and you're like, okay, Jimmy, start hitting the other way? They do. I mean, that is, you're you're right, Dino. I mean, it's. That's what it will have to take. It's not easy. It's not easy. And then when you put in the fact that it looks easy on TV, but you're facing you know, three inch run and, and curve balls are dropping late and it's busting in at 98 miles an hour and it's sliding about three feet. Um, not as easy as saying, Hey man, you know, just hit the ball the other way. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, not at all. Uh, this has been a lot of fun today. Uh, we spoke with, uh, Travis Hunt, right fielder for the prospects. And of course, Jordan Blundell joins us uh, every week. Uh, you guys got a busy week. Thanks very much for uh, coming in today and uh, good luck, man. Thank you, Dino. Great show, man. Ban the Shift. It's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game.